God bless you this morning. You all look like good, godly people. Isn't that what our, our sister Denise says? It's a wonderful thing to be in the house of the Lord. Um, we're going to be reading out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And while we do that, the children's church is headed in this direction and the nursery with all reverence, right? Ages 4 to 12, and the nursery is open. Okay. And we are going to be reading... Um, Verses 5 and 6, or part of 5 and verse 6. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when, repro when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I'm just going to read that verse 6 again. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Father, we're so thankful this morning for your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that we be hearers of your word and doers of your word. We ask, O oh Lord, that our hearts be open and our, our hands be ready to receive what you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' holy name and God's people said, amen. This is a, a difficult message to put out today. And I'm, 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 I'm feeling the weight of it. And so why not share that weight a little bit? Right? I hope that you also feel the weight of today's message. Um, as you know, um, Friday evening till yesterday evening was Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. And it is the holiest holiday in the Jewish calendar. And so, today's message is going to be called A Day of Atonement. We had the Day of Atonement, now we're having a Day of Atonement. We are behind by one day. And so, the Day of Atonement, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, the Jewish people would come together and come before the Lord and ask for repentance of their sins. Once a year, they would come together, ask for repentance. They would perform sacrifices, blood sacrifices before the Lord. The high priest would take the blood of that sacrifice into the Holy of Holies and smear it upon the, the mercy seat. And that would absolve the people of their sin for one year. 
just one year. And so we as followers of Christ are so thankful that Jesus became that perfect sacrifice and therefore we are covered, not for one year, but for as long as we stay under the umbrella of the Lord. See? And so I was watching the, the, uh, the Jewish celebration and that was a long service. Matter of fact, I, I stopped watching and they were still going. But I, I started watching at 6 p.m. I don't know how many of you saw that. Did, you, did anybody catch it? Uh, it started at 6 p.m. And I stopped looking at 10. And they were still going. And the synagogue was packed. I mean, these people were up in the balconies. They were everywhere. And they were all there for one purpose. To remember and to also present themselves before the Lord. And they do that in fasting. And for one whole day, they fast. One whole day, they're in the synagogue. And one whole day, they come before the Lord, you know. And, and, and I thought about us. I, I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm thinking about us today, this congregation. If we have visitors, the Lord is going to even get you into this message today. But um, I, I thought about us in relation to. And, you know, we had a simulcast that we had been announcing for, I don't know, maybe a month. We were having a simulcast on how we were to confront or handle the, the issues that we were having in society today with regards to our faith. See? But the storm that happened in Texas got in the way of that. And so the University of Texas was affected, and then the simulcast was not able to be done, and it had to be moved to February. So last Sunday, I told the congregation, well, we were going to come here for the simulcast anyway. I was, I was being very positive that this congregation would be interested in how do we handle the issues of today, and they would show up uh, for... The simulcast. I said, well, we were coming here for the simulcast anyway. Let us come and present ourselves before the Lord in prayer from 9 to 1 p.m. Right? You can come and go as you want. And during that time frame, let's come and present ourselves before the Lord. Let's come and present our needs before the Lord. Let's look at everything that's going on around the world. And let us pray for mercy on behalf of what's going on around the world. You know, and so... I put out the challenge last Sunday to the congregation. And I did not remember that it was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when people present themselves before the Lord. I didn't remember. And I don't believe that there are any um, uh, coincidences in the Lord. I think that everything is so um, put in place for our behalf. And so here the canceled simulcast gave us an opportunity to present ourselves before the Lord. See, that, that's what I'm thinking. And there was, um, well, first of all, I want to thank the ones that showed up. I want to thank all the non-Puerto Ricans that showed up to pray on behalf of Puerto Rico and all the Caribbean islands that are devastated by this storm. Thank you for coming to pray on behalf 
of the people who have no electricity, no running water, no sewer system, no food, no drinking water. Thank you, all the non-Puerto Ricans, for showing up. And I'm beginning to, you know, in my limited understanding, I'm beginning to get this point that unless we are directly affected, we don't care to cry out on behalf of anyone else. Is that just me? Listen, be, bear with me today. I told you I had a hard message inside of me that was, I mean, I got a stomachache from this because I feel it so deeply within me. So share this with me a little. Let me share this with you a little. And hopefully in the midst of it, you will feel compassion for someone other than yourselves. We are living in Allentown right now, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and we don't have a beachfront anywhere near us. So we're thinking casual uh, calamity happening here? I don't think so. I don't live in Florida. There's no beaches around me. Calamity happened here? I don't think so. Out of sight, out of mind. And this is, this is the way that we have been living our life in the United States of America. We are so caught up in these petty arguments that you don't even want to watch the news anymore because you're not giving me the news. You're just giving me petty arguments. And so we're caught up in pettiness in the United States of America. And that pettiness is infiltrating the church. Pettiness. See? And so yesterday was an opportunity for those of us that have relatives. I was trying to even think if I had any relatives left in the island. See? Um, but there's, there are in this congregation people that have relatives there. Friends, loved ones that are there. And in my, maybe it's me, maybe I'm naive, but maybe I was thinking, you know what? If I have relatives there in this condition, I would be thrown on the altar of God asking for God to see a way through for them. That God would let boats come in. That God would let planes come in. That God would touch the hearts of people to bring supplies in. That's only me. And I'm talking about Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is not the only. Can you lower this mic? Because I feel like I'm yelling. And I know that Puerto Rico is not the only island affected. St. Martin. Uh, Bahamas. All of these places. Bermuda. All of these places. All these islands in the Caribbean affected. Mexico. Let's not even talk about Mexico. See? And, and we sit here in our little niche of security and think that while we're sitting here we're okay and nothing's gonna happen to us and we're fine and we never think of the day of calamity we don't think of the day of calamity we're thinking of today we're living today like the society lives today i live for today i could care less about what happens tomorrow we have to get out of that mentality and get into the mentality and the understanding that God loves us so much. He's constantly giving alerts. This church gets so many alerts, I don't even know what, I don't even know what to tell you. Maybe we're going to start numbering them. Maybe numbering so we can see how many alerts God in his mercy and his love continues to give us. Now, those of us that, that attend WOW had the opportunity to hear, um, and Pastor Jay received this, uh, as those of you that go to, I'm sorry, Cottage Night, those of you that go to Cottage Night, 
you know that we have a short teaching every cottage night, and then we pray. And we have an opportunity to do this in our homes. And so all the cottage, uh, uh, all the cottage groups, I, I only hear positive things about the people that attend and how that has encouraged them and helped them get through the week and, and they feel more focused and, and, and encouraged. And that's great if you attend a cottage night. Now, things happen in the cottage night. And one of the things that happen is that Pastor Jay received this prophetic word. And so since we got this prophetic word emailed to us, then what we did was we suspended the teaching. And we said, we're going to read this prophetic word. We're going to re read it to all the cottages, and they're going to hear the prophetic word because it's another alert. See, we have to wake up. The church has to wake up. You got to shake yourselves up and wake up. We're living this. This Bible that you carry under your arm, this Bible that's in front of your pew, we are in the pages of this Bible right now. We're living this. This is real. This is not just something that happened to somebody else or it's going to happen to somebody behind me. No, we are in the midst of prophetic words. And so we need to wake it up. Now, cottage night. And I'm only going to read a little part of it because this, this was at cottage night that it was given. See, so you have to find a cottage leader and ask them to email it to you. All right? So, it was a special prophetic alert um, regarding the American church. And I'm going to read two little things out of it. That's it. It's three pages, but I'm going to read two little things out of it. And so, this individual by the name of Jeremiah Johnson received this prophetic word. And so, in July of 2017, I'm sorry, dream, prophetic dream, prophetic dream. Um, in July of 2017, um, he had his dream. And in the dream, this is what the Lord told him. All right, I'm only going to read a little part of it. The spirit began to show me massive deception is sweeping the church, and it is fast asleep. There is very real war in the spirit realm over the true gospel, the gospel of self-denial. And this false gospel, the gospel of accommodation, that is seeking to overtake the American church. Okay? That's, that's one little snip. He has another prophetic dream, September 1st, 2017. Okay? In September the 1st, he writes... Last night on September the 1st, exactly two months from the last dream, I had another prophetic dream where I saw this messenger of Satan appear in the Gulf of Mexico. Instead of carrying a book, he was now carrying a large boat paddle and began to stir the waters of the Gulf of Mexico. And his paddle reached out as far as the Caribbean. I began to hear the earth literally groan. The water was crying out. That is the only way that I know how to explain it. As this principality began to stir the waters, several demonic spirits manifested and revealed themselves. Now, these are alerts that go out to the church, right? And the church is sleeping. The church is hearing the prophetic words and are saying, not interested. The church is hearing prophetic words and saying, that's not for me. 
This is, this is how the church of Christ is responding to his words. Now, if you want, the, it's three pages. If you want this, find a, a, a cottage leader. All the cottage group leaders, raise a hand. So everybody know who, knows who you are. These are the cottage night leaders. Find one of them and ask them to email you the prophetic um, dreams if you did not have an opportunity to be at the cottage night. And we have it in Spanish too. Si alguien lo necesita en español, véase con los ancianos aquí, Torre. So, it is not for lack of Pastor Jay and I sharing with you the prophetic words and the alerts that God is giving the church at large. It is for us to respond. That's what it's about, for us to respond. So, yesterday... Yesterday when we had prayer, um, we had a, a wonderful time of prayer. And one of the things that Pastor Jay um, got up to pray about, he said, um, let's pray about the condition that the church finds itself. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing it, right? And so can those of you that were here, I'm, I'm trying to refresh my memory. I wrote some of them down. But could those of you that were here that prayed for some of these um, conditions that the church finds themselves in right now. Could, um, could you tell me what they were? I remember you, you prayed for one. Damn it. What was your topic? Okay. So Elder Tammy prayed about the churches um, um, drawing themselves to manly dependence on manly wisdom as opposed to God's wisdom. Right? And what was the other part of it? Strategies that we, we try to do manly strategies and we don't ask for God's direction in these things. And, who, and what was yours? Lack of reverence and honor in the house. Okay? We prayed about these conditions going on in the church. Does anybody else remember any other one we did? Stacy prayed uh, against gossip in the church. And Pastor Jay, what was yours? Selfishness? Selfishness. Apathy. See? And so I made a little, little list here of the things that are going on in the church. And of course, when I speak about the church, I speak the church at large because what's going on here is only um, the, exactly a microcosm of what's happening in the church at large. Any place you go, down the street, up the block, experiencing the same things, okay? And so it, it took me to uh, the children of Israel when they were uh, at Mount Sinai and um, they started to see the move of God, the presence of God. They started to see the cloud of his presence and hear the, the thunder of his voice. And they said, you know what? Moses, you go talk to God. Does anybody remember this scripture? You go talk to God. And we'll stay over here and you just let us know what he said. Rejecting God. This is, this is the position that the, that the children of Israel placed themselves in where they were rejecting contact and relationship with God. See? After everything that God had done for them, the miracles they had seen, the crossing the Red Sea, the provision, 
on and on and on. God shows his love and they say, we don't mind feeling you, but don't talk to me. And I want us as we sit here in these seats to really evaluate our lives and say, I don't mind coming. And I, I was sensing this this morning as women worship. Lord, we, we love coming before your presence and we love to feel you, but don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Because once you talk to me, then I have to acknowledge what you're telling me and I don't want to have to respond to it. So God, I don't mind your presence and feeling you, but just let's leave it at that. Let, let us examine ourselves as we're sitting here. I'm not talking to the pews. I'm talking to us. And I include myself in it. And I include Pastor Jane and the leadership of this church. We love to feel the presence of God. But God, just don't say things to me that I don't want to hear. And yet I know that a father that loves us chastises us because he loves us. He gives us these alerts because he loves us. And he says, listen, I'm just letting you know what's coming so that you have that opportunity to change something. See, because what we don't, we don't seem to perceive is that we have the opportunity to change and alter things that happen. Do you know that uh, the first storm that was hitting Puerto Rico, there was so much prayer going out. We were praying, other houses of worship were praying that the storm would somehow divert itself. Does, does anybody remember that? We were, we were doing specific prayers. And if you watch the news and you watch the map on the news, you were able to see how the, the did you see that? How the storm just veered off and then it came back and it skipped Puerto Rico. And all they got was a little bit of rain. And so what, what I'm telling you is what happened after that was the, the island, the island rejoiced. They started having parties about what a wonderful thing they had done, that they had missed the storm. And they forgot to give the honor and the glory to God. Okay, so what happens with the second storm? It hits full force. Now, it, it, Pastor Jay and I, we were having a conversation about this. And it's not that God said, I'm throwing a storm there. It's that God removes his hand of protection. And when God removes his hand of protection, then what happens is the, the enemy just has a full access. He has full access, and he takes advantage of that access. See, we are children of God under the covering of God, and when we step out from under the covering of God, he takes his hand of protection off of us, and all hell breaks loose in our lives. Now, is there anybody here that has not experienced that? That you have taken yourself out from under the protection of God and everything goes, falls apart in your life. Because God is the one whose hand of protection, who covers us, keeps things at bay. You think things are so bad? They could have been a lot worse without God's protection. See? And so, I, I remember hearing even from the storms of... Um, that hit uh, Louisiana or New Orleans, Katrina, I remember hearing even Jesse DePlanis was giving the testimony, some of you caught it, right? How he was praying over his facility, you know, their, their ministry location, his home. And Katrina hit like crazy, those of you that saw it. P 
people have still not recovered from Katrina. And yet his ministry only got a little hit and it only got a few shingles got off and it was totally okay. Now, these things happen because God honors our prayers and we need to understand the power of our prayers when we align ourselves to God, our prayers are magnified. See, and so when we come together and we pray for something, I could pray for something by myself at home. I don't need you to pray. But it is to my benefit to pray congregationally because when my prayer connects with your prayer, our prayers do, it, it does something that it causes the synergy to happen and our prayers are magnified in the throne room of God. See, so it is to my benefit to get others to pray with me, see, on, on, on specific issues of my life, to gather and pray over issues in my life. Now, I can't think of one person here who doesn't have an issue in their life. Because if you don't have an issue in your life, can I please, one, I want to shake your hand. And two, I really want to ask you for the secret. What is the secret to you having no issues in your life. Now, I heard an interesting testimony yesterday from a spiritual um, general in the Lord by the, hame, by the name of um, Lahau. Lahau. And this gentleman really walks in the presence of God. You know? You, you, you just... You just feel it. Even through a DVD, you feel God all over him. And uh, someone else was sharing a testimony about him. And they were saying, I was present at, an, at, at a service where Brother Lahau was. And I saw him pick three men out of the congregation. And um, he spoke to each man and he said, the Lord says that unless you repent, you will have 30 days to live. And he tells the second man, the Lord says, unless you repent of your sin, you have six months to live. And he goes to the third man and he tells them an equal uh, uh, message from God. They all go home. They're like not concerned. This happens to other people. This is just an alert that God says to anybody. The first man, 30 days drops dead of a heart attack exactly 30 days. The other two that are left say, eh, tough luck for him, and continue on their way. The second man, at six months exactly, he's working on a car that he's repairing. The car falls on him and crushes him to death. Second man dead. Now, what do you think the third one did? What, 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 do you, what do you think? What, 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 do you, what do you think he did? He, he did nothing. He did nothing. Exactly what we do when we get alerts, we do nothing. That's somebody else that has nothing to do with me. So the third man drops dead. And so the reason why I'm telling you this is because God in his loving mercy tells us things. And he tells us, listen, this is what's going to happen. And get in line. Get yourself together. Repent of your sin. But we love our sin so much more than we love God. 
We love the things that draw us and, and feed our flesh and stroke our flesh so much more than we love God. And so we're willing to take the chance that it's possible that 30 days may come and I won't die. Now, I think if it would have been me, that first man, 30 days, I would have like closed myself in a room with no windows and doors and said, okay, I'm 30 days, I'm in here, what's going to happen? Well, he dropped dead. See? Because God is so true to his word. If he tells us something, it's exactly the way that it's going to happen. See? So I, I, I'm talking to you about these things, and I know they're hard things to hear, but we need to hear them. We need to look and, and, and take a moment and reflect. And so I started reflecting on the primitive church, you know, and, and, and comparing it to the church of today. And so... I wrote here some things, and I said, you know, the primitive church, what they didn't have. And so the primitive church, they had no worship structures. They had no churches. They had no temples that they could go to. They didn't have that. The primitive church had no Bibles, right? All they had was the, the teachings of Moses, right? And they had, um, uh, um, I wrote it down here. The teachings, uh, where did I write that? The teachings of Moses and the prophets. So they knew the words of the prophets. They knew the alerts of the prophets. They knew the prophetic words spoken by the prophets. So they got alerts too. And so that's what they had. And they could not freely share the word of God. Or share with people their experiences or their testimonies. Everything had to be very secluded and very uh, secretive. But this is what the primitive church did have. They had caves to worship in and underground meeting places. The catacombs. If you've had that opportunity to go to the catacombs, we had the opportunity to go to the catacombs. And I'll tell you one thing. All, all around the walls of stone, all you saw were their names. You know, they, they had scratched their names in and, and they had scratched you know, the fish that, is the, that was the symbol of the Christian faith. And, and you know, and you, and you looked at that, and this is where people had service. This is where they worshiped, and this is where they read the word, and they heard the words from the disciples, and this is where they hungered for the word. They were willing to go underground and in caves, and now we have light, and we have beautiful uh, stained glass, and we have comfort, and it's not the same. And what the primitive church had was a spirit-filled life full of joy in the midst of their hardship. See? And, you know, I began to have memories of the beginnings of this ministry. And a good number of you have been with us through the years. And so I began, and, and I was t talking to Pastor Jay about this last night. When we began this ministry, we only had a few hours that we could. We rented a place that we had to share, and we only had a few hours that we could gather together and worship and hear the word of God. And um, it got to the point that um, we decided we're renting this thing out for the whole week because the altar where we prayed and preached, they were renting it out for people to, to dance uh, to the devil. And we said, no, we, we, can't, we can't have that. 
we can't have that. So we rented out a little place that was, I don't know, maybe the size of from that, uh, from here to there, the columns, for $1,100 a month. We were a tiny congregation. And let me tell you about this wonderful place we rented. Um, we had no heat in the winter. We had no cool air in the summer. There was no hot water. Now, we had a sister, and some of you remember, Sister Julie Roman, right? And she would come in there every week, and she would clean the sanctuary, right? And I would see her with this cold water, you know, wringing out the mop. And uh, I said, Sister Julie, why don't you let me do that? She said, no, Pastor, I'm called to do this. And you're called to do that. She says, I'm, I'm happy. And she was in joy. I never saw somebody such in joy. She would go in there. She would take her time. And all I could think about was that cold water and her. She's with the Lord right now. And um, I, all, I could, all I could think all the time was about her wringing this mop in cold water. And so I know where I come from. See, I know where I came from. And those of you that have been with us long enough, which you know where we come from, and those that have been with us probably the longest is Abby, who's one of the 13, and Evelyn. See, probably the ones that have been with us the longest. And so I remember that we would call the congregation to prayer, and everyone would show up. See? And Sarah. I thought I saw Sarah back there. Sarah. We would have 48 hours of prayer, 48 straight hours of prayer. Who remembers this? We have people that remember this? We would have 48 hours of prayer, and people slept in the church overnight. They would bring their kids, and the kids had a great time because they thought it was like a sleepover. You know, we didn't care. Bring your kids in pajamas. I don't care. If there's one place your children should sleep, it's in the house of the Lord. Maybe they'll get visions and dreams. How fantastic is that? And we would spend 48 hours in God's house and people would come, people would go. Some people would show up at 2 in the morning. Some people would leave, you know. And, and there was an excitement to pray in the house of God. This ministry began in prayer. That, that's all we had. There were times we had prayer service. It was just the five of us, my, me, my husband, and our three kids. And that was our prayer service because people didn't show up. But as the congregation began to grow and they began to understand that without prayer, we're not going to make it. The Lord saw us through prayer. I'm telling you, we're not telling you something that we don't know about. We read in a book that we experienced to somebody else. No, we're telling you what we've lived. And people in this church have lived this. Right? And then from 48 hours, then we, we go to 24 hours because 48 hours was soon, all of a sudden, too much for people. And so we go to 40, from 48, we go to 24. And then from 24, we find ourselves, and this is once a year. We find ourselves at four hours, and you can't make the cut because it's too much. We had a separate prayer day on Mondays, and the same little group of people just showed up on Mondays for prayer, and we said, okay, well, let's combine the Monday with the Wednesday. That way people are energized. They get in here. More people would join the prayer group. How fantastic, how wonderful. No. No. 
Same little group that showed up on Monday. It's the same little group that shows up before while session for prayer. And we don't see the importance and the value of prayer because prayer is your lifeline. Do you get it? That's your lifeline. That's your direct access to God is prayer. And so what has happened? We've lost it. We've lost this. Now, now we, we call the congregation to think, let, let me give you something that's fresh in my mind. Fresh. I just baked it in the oven. Just baked it in the oven. This is our first Sunday where we start at 11 o'clock. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We usually have our community breakfast on the first Sunday. And I'm, I'm inviting the congregation to come and let us do life. And let us get together and have breakfast down here. We'll do it at a nominal fee. And we'll just get together and, you know, let's support this community breakfast. And so a few of us showed up today at community breakfast. This many, maybe. You know. And, and, I, I, and I feel that I have to bring these things to your attention because the scripture tells me that and I'm following God's lead in Hebrews chapter 12 that the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. And so being that the case, I, I feel necessary that we shake up our church because, you know, we want to win a community for Christ. Isn't that true? We, we need to win a community for Christ. And in order to win a community for Christ, we have to be able and willing to hear the voice of God. We have to be able to respond to what, what the directions that God gives us. And we have to learn to walk. See? And Pastor Jay said something really important yesterday in the prayer. He said, when we had little or nothing, we were willing to sacrifice it all. Now, the more we have, the less we are willing to sacrifice. I, I'm going to repeat that, just in case somebody didn't catch it all. When we had little or nothing, we were willing to sacrifice it all. Now, the more we have, the less we are willing to sacrifice. Take a look at that picture of the primitive church. They sacrificed it all. They were willing to give it all because they believed God. They put their faith in him and their whole life in him. And then let's look at the modern-day church. And we're going to give as much as we can give that doesn't hurt. And we're going to sacrifice only what we can sacrifice that's leftovers. We give God leftovers. Now, you know, I've said it here many a time. I'm one person that I'm not crazy about leftovers. In all my life, my husband's there to attest, I cook exactly what I know we're going to eat for that day. Because I prefer, you might not, but I prefer to cook fresh food every day as opposed to leftovers. That's just me. And so if I don't want leftovers, why would I want to give God leftovers? Who everything, everything that God has given me has been new and fresh. Everything he gives me, the scripture tells me that his blessings, they're new every single morning. So if God is giving me new stuff and fresh stuff, why would I want to give him stale? Why would I want to give him, you know, moldy bread? Why would I want to do that to God? And we give leftovers. 
So the more that God blesses us, and I wrote it here, the more that God blesses us, and think about yourselves. He has blessed us with careers. We've prayed and we say, God, I really want to do this in my life. And God says, I'm going to make the way. He blesses us with jobs. Oh, God, I really need a job today. And he blesses us. He knows the desires of our heart. And he wants, like any parent, you want to give the desires of your child's heart. You want to give, them to, give it to them. He blesses us with homes. We needed an apartment. We needed a house. Our home, our apartment was too small. We needed a house. The God, God, he provides and he does and he sends us and he sets us up for great blessing. You know, he blesses us with education. And I love this. God, I want to go back to school. I love this. I could speak on this. I can because I went to school while I was raising children, active in the church, okay, and I did and I worked. See, so I can speak to this. Isn't that somebody telling me that I know that the only way that I made it through all of that was because of God. It was a God thing. So we ask God for things and he gives us the ability to get educated. And then we get our education and we, we turn our nose up to God. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at nobody. I'm looking at the wall. We turn our noses up to God. You know, we ask him for things and he gives us. And then we give him with measure. He, give, he gives us, the Bible says, with fullness. We give God with measure. Oh, wait a minute. Let me skim a little bit off the top there because I think that might be too much for you. And he blesses us. He blesses us and blesses us and, and families and I want a family and I want to have someone to share my life with. And he blesses us with that. And then we forget about him because then all of our attention now is, is like, and I'm not saying to disregard your families. I'm not saying to disregard your husbands and your wives. I'm saying that the scripture teaches us that when we put our priorities in order, everything is taken care of. If God is first in our lives, everything else is taken care of. We've taught this for many, many years, and we believe it. We've lived it. If we put God first, he will take care of all of our needs. See? We have gone. I wrote this little comment here. We've gone from an intimate walk with God to a casual stroll around the park, and God is not having it. He's not having it. Garden of Eden Scripture says that he strolled, oh, he, he walked the garden with Adam and Eve, the man and the woman. He walked, he walked the garden with Adam, the man and the woman, and he spoke to them, and they had communion, and they had intimacy, and they, there was relationship. See, that's where God wants to take us back. But we want to have a stroll in the park. I have 15 minutes on my schedule. Let's do this. Let's go. Hurry up. We're power walking. You know, hurry up, God. Whatever you got to say, say it now. Or, you know, I don't have any more time. And then just when God is going to take that deep breath to speak into our lives, oh, time's up. Got to go. And that's how we live our lives with God. Not anybody out the door. Us, us, us. Everyone here, us. This is how we live our lives. We give God as little as we can give him. It doesn't have to, Lord, it doesn't have to hurt. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about children's ministry. We are here today. 
we need to prepare the church that's taken over. Because Pastor Jay and I, as much as we want to live forever, more than wanting to live forever with you here, we want to live with the Lord at some point in our life. I do not plan on living 150 years. No. I rather spend my retirement with the Lord. Okay? And that being the case, we need to prepare the next church. And so here we have children's ministry going on one day a week for one and a half hours. And Wednesdays, we have Bible study so you know the word. You need to know the word. See, when, when I speak with some of you and you, don't even, you can't even give me the details of David and Goliath, that tells me that you don't know the word. And you can't give me the details of the two fishes and the five loaves of bread. You don't know the word. And you can't. We need to know the word. And so Wednesdays for one, well, we, we, we start with prayer, but we, um, we're done by 8.30 on the dot. Those of you that come on Wednesdays, are we not done by 8.30 on the dot? You know me. I'm, I'm a time. I'm into, I'm into time. Unless the spirit takes over, then I let it go. But when it's me, I'm on time. I like to start on time, and I like to finish when I tell you I'm going to finish. Right? 8.30, we're done. One day a week. Now, just examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. How many of us study the word? Don't even raise your hand. Go like this inside. How many of us take the time to study the word of God at least one day a week if we don't show up here? I'm going to look at this wall. Right? Some of you might do it. Consistency is important. But again, there's nothing like coming together and studying the word. Now, let's talk about our children. We have time to take them to baseball games, basketball games, soccer games, swimming. What other activity could come up there? High a lie could come out and we'll find a way to get our kids there. And so we don't mind sacrificing for these activities, but we can't bring them to the house of God for one and a half hours so that they learn the word of God. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not looking anywhere. Look at yourselves. This is huge. This is huge. We are giving less and less and less time to God. Listen, when I was growing up, we were in church four days a week. I don't even try to remember. We went church five or six days a week on Sundays twice. It felt like we were there all day. By the time I gave the kids lunch, I had to give them dinner. You know, those of you that know where I'm coming from, you know what I'm talking about. We spend time in the house of the Lord. Our children spend time in the house of the Lord. They all graduated. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We're so concerned that if our kids don't have one and a half hours of study time, when they have to come here to wow, well, then you know what? They, they're going to fail. They're going to flunk out. Yet, if you watch the Academic Excellence Day, who are the kids that are all up here? Who, who are they? Our leaders' kids are the ones up here with the A. And you keep your kid at home because he needs that extra hour and a half, and he's getting C's. I'm going to look over here in the wall. 
I'm going to look over here. So nobody says I'm pointing them out. Hmm? There you go. She says you got to line up your priorities and God will help you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve in the natural when you put him first. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, between running, between studying and the kids were babies and up all night and then seven o'clock in the morning, I'm punching a clock for nursing. I cannot tell you how many times I went to take a test and I said, I would just sit there and say, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to put here. I, 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 don't, I don't have an idea. And I would take my test and I would ace my test. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many times. This is how, it, how bad it got. I had a car accident. And with that car accident, I hit my head. And I couldn't focus. And I couldn't listen. And I was taking physics. And I said, Lord, it's with my head in place. I can't figure out this physics. But now I got my head is all messed up. And unless I can make sense of any of these formulas, and I would go, what did I get in that class? I aced my class. But it wasn't because of me. Believe me, I'm not a genius. I'm not. Okay? Why would I ace my classes? It was because I put my trust in God. And I've taught my children, listen, pray to God. You're going to go for a job interview. Pray before you go. Pray that God gives you grace. But see, prayer has been an aspect of our lives. You have to make prayer an aspect of your life. Before you decide I'm moving from here to there, you better pray. Before I decide I'm going to change cars, you need to pray because the car that you're leaving might be a safety car and the one you're getting is one that's going to fall apart at the first hit. Do you understand? God knows all of those things. And so when we are followers of Christ, our lives are centered around God. You have a hold of my life. My life is in the palm of your hand and you know exactly what I need to do and should do and the timing for things. The timing of God is perfect. This is how perfect his time is. God is running out of time. Hmm. I got a few eyes like, what? God created time. He made time. He doesn't live in the constraints of time. God is running out of time because he has set a calendar and he has set a schedule, and he says, by this point in time, I am going to come again. By this point in time, tribulation will start. By this point in time, this earth, the way we know it, is done, and I'm taking over. By this point, and we are like so close to this point in time. So God is running out of time for us because he set a schedule. I'm following him. He starts on time and he's done on time. And he's saying, I'm running out of time and I'm giving them alerts and I'm giving them alerts because I want as many as possible to be saved. And I'm giving alerts and I'm telling my people, wake up. I need you to reach out to the lost so that less and less of them are lost in those last days. And I'm, and I'm trying to get my church to wake up and my church is asleep. They're comfortable in these pews. They don't see the loss of relationship. Do you not feel the loss of relationship with God? Do you not feel the sense of detachment from God? Do you not feel the sense of his Holy Spirit not speaking into your life? Do you not feel that? 
I feel it for this church. And Pastor Jay, I know he feels it for this church. And, and you know, yesterday, Vanessa was praying here. And Vanessa was praying and she was asking God, Lord, could you move? Right? Those of you that were here heard her say that. Lord, could, could you move? And God said, I will move when you move. And so God wants to show up. I feel the, the something is buzzing here. I feel the sense of the loss of the presence of God among us to that deep level. You know, I, I can remember closely at RWC, one day the Lord picked up the entire church and you felt, if you were in the spirit, you felt the thump when the church was picked up and dropped. And we had a heavenly experience. I don't know what to what time that service ended that day, but we had an extended service. Nobody wanted to go home because the presence of God was so heavy and God had transported our whole church. Who remembers that? He transported our whole church. And see, I don't want to forget those things because I need to build on those things. I need to build on feeling his presence, on hearing his word, on hearing God use the prophets in the house to bring words. Okay? I am missing that. And I pray that you are missing that. That you're missing hearing God speak to you in the quiet of the night. That you're missing uh, God giving you dreams and visions. I hope you're missing that because I'm missing that. I'm missing those moments when during a service, God would just open a little window for me and show me things. I'm missing that in the congregation. I'm missing hearing the prayers of our children. I'm missing hearing and seeing our youth hungry for God. I'm missing all of that. Is there anyone else in this house that is missing feeling God? And listen, if you're a visitor and you said, I've never felt that, let me, let me just make you hungry for God. There is nothing better in this planet. See, nothing better in this planet than feeling the presence of God around you, in you, just speaking to your heart and your life. There's nothing better than being guided by the presence of God. We need God in our lives. You need God in your life. Is there anyone in this house that's missing that? I'm missing it. We're desensitized to the spirit. Lord, I love coming in here on Sundays and I, I love feeling your presence. And once I walk out the doors, I am the same old person that I always am. Monday through Saturday, it's all about me. And I will meet you there again on Sunday if I don't have anything else important to do. If. If. Pastor Jay, when we were first married, Pastor Jay, he traveled quite a bit in New York. And one of the things that we promised was, I don't care how many engagements you have. One thing we will do is Sunday is the Lord's Day. And even if we were out that Saturday to 2 in the morning, we didn't care. We were in God's house on Sunday morning. 
because we have to start having, um, honoring the, what God has established is that his day belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And so whenever I'm not where I'm supposed to be in God's house, I'm feeling the loss of what did God do today that I missed out on. Because he has something fresh every single Sunday. So we better be that, you know, something serious happened for me to not be in God's house. It can't be just because I decided it's a beautiful day. The weather report is good. I'm going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. And I don't have anything about the beach. Matter of fact, there was a testimony that was spoken yesterday while I was watching. And one of the testimonies was he is um, at, a, at an event. He's praying in his room. And the Lord puts in his heart to, play, to pray for a family. So he's praying for a family. There's a desperate knock at the door. He opens someone's there and says, you know, something's happening. Um, there's, a, there's a young uh, a young a teenager who just drowned in a pool. And he says, I know. God has been telling me to pray for this family because something terrible is coming. And so he goes with the person that knocked on his door. He goes to the swimming pool where the, the teenagers are. There was a group of teenagers. And no one noticed that there was a teenager that was, flo- that was actually had sunk to the bottom of the pool. See? And so he's, he's sunk Uh, drowned in the bottom of the pool. They pull him up. They call a doctor. It took the doctor 45 minutes to get there. Okay? The preacher who had been praying for him gets there when the doctor is there examining him and the doctor says, it's too late. He's dead. And the uh, the preacher who was praying in his room says, oh no, doctor, you just don't understand. God invited you here so that you could witness a miracle. And in five minutes, that young man who was dead for 45 minutes began to cough up water and was alive with no brain damage. Now, now, now how, and a matter of fact, the brother, the brother of that young man who drowned in the pool, he was sitting there in the congregation when they were saying this testimony and he attested to it. That's right. That happened to my brother. See, now, now, what is it that you think that covered this young man's life while he was drowned in the bottom of a pool? It was prayer. So while you're out there at the beach and you're thinking, I'm at the beach, I'm having a great time, nothing could happen to me. You need to cover yourself even when you're at the, bre- at the beach. You need to cover yourself when you're at the park. You need to cover yourself wherever you go. And I can't stress this enough, the importance of prayer in your life. But you need a prayer life. Is there any, and I go back, I know I'm running, I ran out of time. I know, I know. Let me look. I'm out of time. We went through this. It's still here. Every single one of these gems represents a life, right? And, and yet I know that among this congregation, there are people who have husbands that are not believers. There are people in this congregation who have children that are non-believers, there are people in this congregation that have relatives that are non-believers. Is that not true? Can you attest to that? Yes. But yet we're not praying and we're not crying and we're not wailing on behalf of our loved ones. So if we can't pray and cry and wail on behalf of our loved ones, what makes me think? What makes you think that you're going to pray and cry and wail over a lost one outside these doors that you don't even know? 
is a day of atonement. This is a day to ask forgiveness for so many things. Wow. That makes you think. In the book of Revelation, I'm going to finish with this because I know I passed my time. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, God speaks to us and he gives us an outline of seven churches. What do you think was the purpose of God giving us this outline of seven churches? This is an alert for us, the church, to examine ourselves in relation to the seven churches and see what condition we find ourselves in. So yesterday, I told Pastor Jane, honey, I think I found our church. And I know that some of you are thinking, oh, we're the church that he prays. You're doing an excellent job. Good job, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, that's, that's, that's us. That's us. No, that's not the one I picked. I'm going to tell you the one that I picked. Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. That's us. I'm going to read it. Let's read it. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. Oh, we're good at that. Mm-hmm. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. You know why we're not grown weary? Because we ain't doing much. That's an aside. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the, fir- the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is us. This is us. We've forgotten the works that we've done. We have forgotten what God has called us to do. And, you know, we, we have not grown weary because we're not doing much. We're not giving much to God. We're not sacrificing much to God. There's no reason for weariness because all we do is have leisure. And while you have leisure, all you're doing is resting the whole time. But while you're having leisure and you're resting, there are souls that are dying every minute of the day. Souls that are dying and lost for an eternity. Relatives that are going to die without eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Relatives that you know. We are, co- we are living the end times right now. Right now, not tomorrow. Oh, Lord, just hold that off until I die. No, we are living the end times. Look around you. How many alerts do you need? How many storms do you need? How many tornadoes do you need? How many earthquakes do you need? How much violence and lawlessness do you need for us to get it that we're living the end times? And if I'm living the end times, guess what? Everyone around me that I know is living the end times. And when that trumpet sounds, And God calls us and lifts us up in the air. 
you want to make sure that you have done what you have been able to do to get your loved ones there. See? When was it that I preached? Last week, the week before. I put a challenge out to the women. Because we women, we can complain quite a bit. We can complain about our husbands, our children, our, you know, we can complain. The men keep it to themselves, but we women can complain. And so I put a challenge out there and I said, if you have a need, I challenge you to show up here Saturday, 9 o'clock, 9 to 10, one hour. You know what I told you about time? I start on time and I finish on time. One hour, come and show yourselves here and cry and weep and wail for your lost ones. I'm not even going to tell you how many of you showed up because you know when you didn't show up. Ain't that so? And so the question becomes, how badly do we want God to save our husbands and our wives and our children? And our, How badly do you want to see them saved when you're not willing to give it your all to see them saved? And God is waiting. He's waiting for somebody to cry out on their behalf. So I'm going to challenge you to take time once a week. We have once a week service here and bring yourself to prayer. You know what? I know this is different from what we're accustomed to. I know it. I know. But you know what we're going to do? This is where I'm going with this. We're going to put chairs all the way around here so that you can find a little spot that you can kneel before the Lord. Draw yourself to him and he will draw himself to you. All right? There's nothing better. You could come to prayer, but if you sit in the last pew, you're not going to, you know, you need to feel connected in prayer. Drag yourself up here. Come on. Even when you don't feel it. There's days that I don't feel it. I don't feel like being here with you. Mm, I'm confessing. Confessing is good for the soul on the Day of Atonement. And then after I get here and I see you and I hug you guys and I kiss you and I love you, I say, oh, Lord, thank you for reminding me that I do love them. I do. I do. <laughs> and we're willing to sacrifice whatever we need to do. To You know, I, even if we're, we're taking you screaming and kicking and crying, we're dragging you along because we want to see that every single person in this congregation has a deeper relationship with God. Deeper. Don't get used to this little superficial thing you have with God. Deeper relations with God, and that means that you have to commit things to memory. Desi, she goes out of her way to prepare your calendars every month. Take a moment. Tack that thing up on your refrigerator. Look at it once in a while and see you know, where I need to be. I need to be here and I need to be there and I need to be a part of what God is doing. See? So, having said all of that, I'm going to read this last verse and I'm done. Jeremiah chapter 6. Did I say that already that I was done? Well, I'm done with this. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15 through 17 says, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. 
They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. I'm going to pause right there. Because, you know, in our society today, old heads. Do they still call us old heads? Because I might be a little bit out of touch. Those are old heads. What do they know? What do they know? And I have found myself listening more and more to generals of the faith because they have had walks with God that you don't see anymore. Because now, you know, our churches are full of a younger uh, age group. And that younger age group thinks that they have it. We got it. We don't need to listen to no old heads, and we don't need to hear no experiences of the past. No, you need those experiences of the past, because those are the ones that are going to put you on the right path. And it says, when, where is the good way? And walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. So... This is where I ask you, everything that we've spoken today, are you going to be like one of these people and say, we will not walk in it. We will not pay attention. Because then the, the result is, the same result that these people had is the same result you're going to have. See? You have to stop in your ways and say, let me evaluate my life and let me evaluate my relationship with God. And am I in right standing with God? Am I one of those people that has just given him crumbs or leftovers? Am I one of those people that, you know, I, I, I set my schedule for everything of God, and then at the end, if I have time for him, I put it in? Evaluate yourselves and be real with yourselves. And be honest with yourselves and say, this is me or this isn't. See? I think each and every one of us in this group, all of us, including me and Pastor, this message was for us. It's not for anyone else. This verse here that says we lightly tell people peace, peace. Let me tell you, there are people from this congregation that show up once in a blue moon. And those of us that have relationship with them, we should be their voice of conscience. And we should be the one to tell them, no, no, you're not in peace. Things are not going well with you. You need Jesus. You need to get yourself to the house of God. And you need to pray for your situation. But you telling me to pray for your situation and you don't pray for your own, that don't make no sense. And I'm going to use my bad English. That don't make no sense. It makes no sense that we ask everyone else to pray for our situations and we sit back and do nothing. Those are prayers that go around. They go around and go around. And they don't reach where they need to go. Because they need to be invested. So stop going like this to those that are, have a a slack relationship. Stop doing this and start doing this. Not, you poor baby, I know you're having a rough time. No, get your, I was going to say the word, get your BBBBB back to church. That's where you need to be. Let us bow our heads. We're going to pray. I am so late. I apologize. No, you know what? I don't apologize. I was going to, but I changed my mind. I'm not going to apologize. 
Doesn't the Lord's day mean that the whole day is his? Oh, my goodness. We'd have such a stampede out of here if we told the congregation, we're just going to stay here. Till the Lord says. We'd have such a stampede. They'd be, they'd be running over our bodies. <laughs> Me and Pastor Jay at the door. No, nobody's leaving here. <laughs> stampede. I know that this word was for me. It's been just stirring in my heart all day yesterday and today. I know it was for me. I know I have to make some changes. I know I have to like evaluate, self-evaluate, self-denial. I need absolutely self-denial, you know, in my life. So let, let's, I'm going to pray. If you feel that this message was for you, don't worry about who's on your left or your right. Nobody really cares in that sense that they're going to be pointing fingers at you. But if you feel that this message was for you, you know, just rise on your feet and let's pray. I'm praying for myself because I really need it. Really, 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 really need it. This church really, really, really needs prayer. Really, really, really. We got spanked today, right? I'm sorry, but I love you. It's a loving spank. Baby, you know I love you. Whack, whack, whack. And I'm doing this for your own good. Whack, whack, whack. That's how it is. You can tell I believe in. Sore, pastor is sore but blessed. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. I would tell you to all come up here because it's such a big group of you. Hmm. Yeah. Let's come up here. Everybody just... Come in around the sides. Come in around the sides. Come, why should I be the only one up here? Come on. Let's, let's move in. Oh, we love God so much. Let's move in. Move in. This is a sign of surrender. Just move in. Move in. If, you, if you're one of them, just move in. If you're not, nobody's going to judge you. Come around this way. Jay, come this way so that those people behind you can move in. Let's come this way. Ah. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Listen, li you bear with me a minute. I know I'm running late. You bear with me a minute. I, I, wanna, I want you to get anointed today. Nelson, Joey, gracias. Um, I know, but do you mind? Do you mind? Let's get anointed so that we could seal our, our day of atonement with the Lord our day of repenting, because that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to repent of our sin, and then we're going to ask the Lord to please fill us and to stay with us and guide us and lead us, all those wonderful things. But can, can you bear with me? So while you're there standing, can you, you know, just bow your heads, and I want you to start thinking about the things you need to repent from. Repent means, God, I'm really sorry about this, and I really want to do better than this. So close your eyes, bow your heads. And, and just present yourself. Say, God, I really need you to forgive me in these areas. That's, that's what we call repentance. That's how we repent. So you're going to get anointed by our elders. Take a moment. If you've been a rebellious child, disobedient at home, say, God, I want to do better. Please, please teach me to be a better son, a better daughter. You know, there's so many things that you, we need to repent from. Right? Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. 
Don't let this be like another message, like every message that we've heard. I, I want to do different things. Try something new. Amen, amen, amen. They're getting to you. They're getting to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're getting there. Hallelujah. Just repent before the Lord. This is a moment of repentance. When the people of Israel will come all together and say, Lord, please forgive my sins. Forgive my sins, O Lord. Tell the Lord what you're asking for forgiveness for. He's more than willing, able. There's nothing that you do that God has not already seen and he's not already willing to forgive in your life. There's nothing. Nothing that, nothing that you've, you've done. Amen. I really want to thank God for each and every one of you. You know, this is our first day of a, of a later service, and you've all said present. I just pray blessings on your lives just because of that. Just pray blessings because of your obedience. Right? Okay. Are we almost ready here? I'm, I'm looking where we're at. Okay, we're almost there. We're almost there. Thank you for being patient. We're almost there. Yeah? If you still haven't gotten anointed, could you raise a hand so they could see where you're at? If you didn't get any oil, okay, over here. They're coming. They're coming your way. Oh, Abby, you have? Okay. Elder Abby's coming. You got Kayla. Okay. So if everybody's anointed already, okay, we're going to pray now. I hope you took a moment to repent. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Join me. Join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Uh, those of you up there, you're covered. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we are here before your presence. We are your children. You are our Father. You said that you, Lord, you'll chastise us and you'll correct us when we need it. And Father, you've corrected us because we're veering off the path the ancient path. And so, Father, thank you for arresting us and stopping us in time that we may be able to see those things that are just touch your heart. And one of them, Lord, is that you want us to talk to you and have relationship with you and, and contact with you. And so, Lord, we reestablish prayer as such a strong foundation in this church. We establish service to you, O oh Lord, as a strong foundation in this church. We establish, O oh Lord, faithfulness as a strong foundation in this church. We establish, Lord, that we are here to evangelize and win the lost from their, from their uh, eternal destinies. Father, we are here to be ambassadors of Christ. And so, Lord, we renew our vows to you, Father. We renew our dedication we ask, O oh Lord, that you cleanse our hearts and our minds and our hands so everything that we touch and speak and think, Lord, is in accordance to you. And Father, we pray that we may be faithful to these vows that we make today. Let us be faithful to you, Lord, until you come again. And so, Father, strengthen us. Strengthen our resolve. 
Lord, let us come together without stopping to think about excuses or let us come together on Wednesdays in prayer and Sundays. Be just excited about coming to your house and what you have for us, Lord, because you give us fresh things every single day. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your admonishment this morning. Help us, O oh Lord, to be better servants unto you. We thank you for all of these things. And God's people said, amen. amen. Now greet two or three people around you on your way back to your seats. We just have a few announcements. Greet two or three people. Just share the love and share the joy. Greet two or three people.